G'day and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby podcast. It's Matt Rowley here, I'm leading it today. Um, Reg, he came up with some excuse about a family emergency. I think it might be because we're going to basically crow about the TARS for the whole episode. Um, and no better way uh, to uh, start that. Well, first of all, I've got Hugh. Hugh Cavill all the way calling in just for an overseas crow. Mate, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing fantastically well with the form of the Waratahs. I mean, who isn't smiling across exactly. Australia, across the world? So, Exactly. Yeah. All in delight. Um, and look, no better way than to uh, discuss what's happened last weekend and what's coming up next weekend. But talking to Waratahs captain, uh, Dave Dennis. Mate, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, man. Good. And, um, and how are you pulling up with the knee, mate? Have you had the operation? Has that happened yet? Yeah, I'm about three three weeks post op, so I'm uh, I'm in a leg brace still, but I've got another week of that, and then I'll uh, get back into the the rehab and, and look to try and be right for the start of next season. Jeez, they get you going quick, don't they? And, and so, what was uh, what was it in the end that you had to have done? What was the procedure? Um, well, I, I tore my anterior cruciate ligament, so I had to have that uh, reattached, and then a, a bit of a clean up of the meniscus and cartilage, which was torn as well. So. Um, something I've actually done before, so I know what's required, and, and surgery all went well. So I'm, I'm obviously keen, first and foremost, to, to watch the boys try and uh, make a bit of history this Saturday. But then uh, once that's done, get back into some rehab and get going again. Good one, mate. Well, look, good luck with all of that. I think um, all rugby fans in Australia, and especially us Waratahs fans, uh, we're gutted to see that happen. But you really look like you've, you've taken that on the chin. It was a, a great story about um, was it was it Deno's Cafe that you, you, you opened up. Um, the next day, yeah, yeah, mate, it's gonna have to close soon due to uh, financial pressures. None of the boys are playing, but uh, no, <laughs> I was obviously, um, I was obviously, yeah, like it was, it was pretty tough. And as soon as I did against the Brumbies, I, I knew what I'd done because I'd done it before. And yeah. yeah, it wasn't so much the injury and the pain and knowing I'd have to have surgery. It was more the fact that I was going to be missing out on on something special in the next couple of weeks. And uh, you yeah, know, the boys haven't proved me wrong in that regard. They've pushed on and. and uh, really put ourselves in a great position now to to have a good shot of it on Saturday, and that, that's my big, big, biggest disappointment. I've, I've been at the club for eight seasons now, and um, never had this opportunity. And uh, look, I'll, I'll take a bit of pride in the fact that I've contributed, but uh, I'd love to be out there on Saturday. But that's the way it goes, and um, you know, I'll just I'll just keep working hard and hopefully help the boys out where I can and watch them watch them uh, you know play well on Saturday. Yeah, mate. I mean, I mean, you know, watching from the sidelines, it's it's clear that you're you're pretty uh, integral to the team, and and um, that was a really clear message that came out. So, um, anyway, it's you know, I think anyone who's watched this season knows how, how close you are to that, and it'll be as much your win as anybody else's um, should that happen. Um, but look, mate. So let's just talk about the team a little bit. Um, what's changed this year? Um, I mean, you know, there was some we were seeing some good signs last year don't get me wrong you know um there was some pretty extreme efforts about how you guys are playing but this year you guys just you know seem to have completely turned a corner is there anything you can put your finger on no i i, I do think like you said it has been a slow process in the sense that um we were making changes last year last year we probably just weren't getting the results i think um mm. you know ever since michael checker came in uh, he wanted to change a lot of things he made a few few big, oh, not big calls, but calls that need to be made around changing the uh, the work ethic and, and the attitude of players and uh, really putting a clear goal forward in terms of what we want to achieve over his time at the club. And um, I thought that, you know, we worked hard last year, but we probably just lacked a little bit of belief and confidence in what we're doing. And then, uh, you know, we pushed on this year and I think we've had a couple of really good results and it's just slowly, as the year's gone on, um, we've started to build and build that confidence. And uh, the other side of that is, I think you can, it's obvious for anyone who's watching the games, you can see that everyone's enjoying themselves and enjoy working hard for each other. I think that's a very powerful thing. Um, you know, sitting on the sidelines on Saturday night, I was extremely proud of how hard the boys work for each other. It was a, a, you know, a really tough game against a, a quality Brumbies team and 
they they did very well in limiting us in terms of how we can play and um, mm. the the effort that the boys showed in, in in working hard and staying strong together and getting the results. I think um, you know that's a very powerful thing, and, that, and that's just come off the back of working hard together and believing in what we. We uh, we want to do as a team. We we said at the start of the year we wanted to finish top two, and uh, obviously in the past uh, we've probably come out in pre-season stated, boldly stated our ambitions and never reached them. And um, we're really determined this year to achieve achieve something special. We're still still got an opportunity with uh, one game to go. Yeah, Dave. Just on that stuff about about working off the field. One of the most pleasing aspects of the Waratahs this year has been. Their back end, the sort of the last twenty minutes of the games, where they seem to be, you know, pulling away from opposition and really making those score lines look look quite flattering, you know, by scoring a few late tries. And again, on we saw that on Saturday with two sort of that try in the seventy fifth and and a lot of good work in those last twenty minutes. Um, do you put that down to sort of a, a different training philosophy or a different focus uh, on fitness or, or something like that, or is that just something that's been built in over the last two years? Yeah, again, I think it's a it's a combination of things. Um, it, it's slowly uh, built probably over the last eighteen months, but we have been challenged probably uh, physically more than we ever has individually and as a playing group by check. Um, you know, I think it's well documented the work we did in the preseason around running up hills around Kudji or you know running around Centennial Park or whatever it might be. Um, some of that work was extremely tough, but. Uh, you know, he was very, very adamant of, of building a mindset or a mantra of being uncomfortable, uh, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. That was sort of a saying we're using. And getting to a stage where you're hurting that much, you're, it's almost you become comfortable and, and you're comfortable. Or you've experienced it before, so when it happens in a game, you know how to react and you still, you know, remain, remain calm and execute. And I think um, a combination of that, a combination of also a new program that our strength and conditioning staff have brought into the Waratahs, which is a, actually an American-based program out of San, San Francisco uh, called Sparta Science. It's, I think it's just changed the, it's changed the focus of the players. It's probably, for years there, we seem to sort of beat our head against the wall and do similar stuff, whereas this is giving us a fresh approach to the way we train in the gym and the way we train on the field. And, um, yeah, I think it, it, that's probably been the most pleasing aspect of our game, apart from... You know, defending really well and playing attacking rugby, the way we're finishing games and, and our fitness and the ability to, to finish games strong has been really pleasing. So without giving away too many state secrets, I mean, you just mentioned a new strength and conditioning program. Could you expand a little bit on, on what that entails? Because another observation we've made this year is the lack of, in, you know, the lack of injuries, it seems. I mean, obviously yourself uh, excluded, but, you know, some of the players that have been injury-prone in the past seem to be on a real role of good good health and good fitness and, and the strength around the ruck area seems to really improve. So I don't know what that program entails. Yeah, it's uh don't worry, it's no it's no peptides or Tour de France secrets. It's not that it's uh, <laughs> it's uh no it's it's a program uh out of uh oh, an organization called Spider Science near Stanford University in the Cal- uh Stanford, San Francisco and um the guy who came up with the concept is name of Phil Wagner, and uh, it's been used for baseballers and NFL players um, initially for uh, rehabilitation, and then it sort of progressed more to um, using it for players to uh, movement patterns specific to your sport. So there's a, there's a test that we do, obviously before you start the program, but it's an ongoing test where it's you're jumping on a force plate, and that measures you and your unique signature as a player and as a person and then from that your program's tailored to suit. So no one player is going in the gym and doing the same program to the other player. And um I think for a guy like Cliff Parler who and and Rob Horn, guys who had, you know, probably a couple of years where they've been in and out and injured, um, they've been able to really focus on their own needs and their own weaknesses and really hone in on that. And uh you know, I think again that's really shown on the field. Apart from myself, this weekend I think everyone's available for selection, which is a, you know a, another reason uh, we've gone so well this year to be able to put the similar team on the field each week. And um, the S&C staff, Hayden Masters and Tom Thompson, have, have maybe taken a bit of a risk, but they, they've resourced, uh, they've you know have used the, they've had to spend some money to to buy the the program and the and the software that goes with it, but. Um, they've taken taken the the chance and it seemed to pay off and I think the players really 
really benefit from it and guys are in, in top nick. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a combination of that. And then on top of that, you've obviously got Czech who's, you know, been driving home, working hard and the stuff that we do on field. Um, I think it's just been a really good balance between being a bit individualised in terms of what you do in the gym, but then working hard as a team, you know, on the field. So it's worked out well for us. Because, Dave, I mean, one of the theories going around, uh, Bob Dwyer, who writes on our site, he was just sort of saying, look, you know, mate, you know, because obviously that, that preseason stuff was bloody months ago now. And obviously, like you're saying, that's had a mental, mental aspect to it. But, I mean, one of his theories was, you know, you guys are playing a pretty hard, you know, game plan. There's a hell of a lot of running in it. And it's got a lot of expectation on, you know, everybody on the field um, to play a big role in the far, as far as, you know, that fast ball recycle and then being so dynamic. Um you know, his, his theory there, though, having said that, is that, you know, it's a really enjoyable game plan. So you guys are kind of working hard almost without knowing it, if that makes sense. Is, do you think there's an element of truth to that? Yeah, very much so. It's a, you know, it's obviously a good observation from a guy who has spent a lot of time around the club and has got a, a, a proud history at the Waratahs. And mm-hmm. um, I think, and that's probably a reflection of why we didn't, you know, push on last year. I think we, we tried to implement a new game plan and we, didn't quite understand what it took to to play that level each week. I think um, it, it, we found it, it wasn't easy, uh, particularly with the forwards, the amount of running and, and we're doing in a, in a game was probably traditionally a bit more than what we'd done, and we weren't probably quite uh, understanding of what was required in a game. And, and we've kept working on that. Had another tough preseason, and almost this year it's become autonomous in terms of what's required. Mm. Um, and, and you're right, we, we we go out there and, and play. We know what we have to do, and we've got the stage now where everyone knows their role that it almost physically has become a little bit easier. Obviously, the collisions are still there, and we want to still play physical, but, um, yeah. you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got the stage now where everyone's very comfortable in working really hard for each other. I think that's a, a powerful thing. And, um, again, back to keeping guys on the field, what it has also done is meant that you manage guys during the week. You know, some guys didn't even train yesterday, and even our grand final week, you've got to, because we're having such physical games, uh, and I think I, I think the Brumby semi was probably one of the most physical of the year. Um, again, you can you can look back into the individual weights program and tailor that to suit for guys who have pulled up a bit sore, and um, you know some of the senior guys who need to take it a bit easier and um, just manage it that way. And we've got really good results. And uh, and then again, you get to the game day, and you know everyone's going to work hard again. So it's yeah. been a really good cycle uh, during the week, and um, guys are becoming comfortable. Mm-hmm. playing that style of football. And, and, mate, there was something that surprised me. I think uh, Paddy Ryan um, uh, was uh, on Rugby HQ a couple of weeks back, and he actually said that in, uh, you guys are actually focusing probably more in your in your defence at training than you were in your attack, which in one hand surprised me because your attack is such a big feature of what you do, and I can't remember a Waratah's side for a a good while having the sort of the hands and the skills you guys are showing this year yet he was saying actually maybe you're even putting more time into your defense is that was that a you know i mean is that a fair observation and is, is that you know it's obviously deliberate yeah i think um you know again looking at the progress of the, the club and the team over the last two years i think we identified last year that we we're more than capable capable of attacking with the ball in hand mm. um you know, I think there was games and performances last year where we scored a lot of points, but uh, we obviously let in too many and, and didn't get the right result. And uh, I think Czech made it quite clear in his, his thought process that he needed to bring in someone specific around the defensive side of things and bringing in Nathan Gray, who a former Waratah, who uh, yeah, was renowned as being a really good defender as a centre for the Wallabies and Waratahs. Mm. Um, that was an area that we need to probably be better at. And again, not neglecting our tax, still evolving that because it's one of the ga- one of the areas of the game that comes naturally to a lot of guys. If you look at the guys in our team, with you know Phipps, Foley, um, Beal, Ashley Cooper, Falau, you know, and then in the forwards with Hooper, you know, Palo, uh, Pilotta now, Kepps, guys who can naturally carry the ball. Um, mm. It's something that you probably you still need to stay on top of, but in terms of the balance between the training day, uh, you probably you know you, you still touch on that. Uh, but then you, you, our focus very much this year has been around our defence and our physicality. And um, you know, there's been days where we rocked up on a Monday and we put the contact suits on, or a cap, even the captain's run this year, which I've never done before. We've done a bit of contact so, <laughs> for a game, uh, so the focus there is it, it shifted a little bit. But again, you've seen the results, and I think. Um, 
you know, I take a lot of pride out of the fact when people say, oh, they're the number one attacking team, but then they say the number one defensive team as well. Because for me, defence is uh, part of it's, uh, you know, the, the technique and working individually, but the majority of defence is the attitude and wanting to work hard for each other. And again, that there's a number of occasions on Saturday night against the Brumbies where we defended, you know, really well, just purely through desire and wanting to work hard for each other. And that's a that's an attitude thing, and that, that shows me that the, the boys are really working hard for each other. But, um, mm. yeah, I think that, that balance between attack and defence is... And, again, you know, obviously moving forward next year, maybe we might shift back a little bit. But, um, yeah, this this year very much the focus has been around physicality and defence. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, and it's really come through the back end of the year. I mean, that's been amazing. And sort of talking about that physicality, um, there's a you know, there's a bunch of sort of... Uh, crowd favourites that are kind of emerging in the team, and I, what the nice thing is, there's so many of them. I think everyone's getting their own personality in the team there. But clearly, one of the key ones that you know the, the crowd um, loves is Jackpot. Um, what's he been like to play with, mate? And, and is there, I don't know, is there any kind of sayings or key stories about him that kind of describe what he's about? Oh no, I think uh, yeah, he, you know, he's been a great addition. I think. Uh... Looking at again at Czech and what he's been able to do at the club, he's got a really, really good keen eye for talent. I think, um, you know, people people might forget that he he was a big reason why Israel came across to play Union at the you know at the start of his uh, you know coaching at the club. He brought Israel across. He he managed to get Curly back from Melbourne, and then he's gone and got a guy who you know was playing decent football in South Africa, but it wasn't probably the level he is now, um, and, and put him out and put him put him in a team where he felt that we need to improve our physicality and our aggression. And, uh, you know, he's he's forever looking at guys like that to, to add to that. And, and Jack's come in and really, I, I feel really probably taking his game to another level. And, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's an interesting guy. He's, he's quite funny. He's got a good sense of humour and... Um, you know, he uh, he adds a lot to our group. I think uh, it's great for him to be here for a couple more years, and um, mm-hmm. you know, he, you won't see him change too much in the way he plays the game. But uh, I think he, I think he's trying to push me out of the six jersey and get me to go to lock. So <laughs> I'll see, how, I'll see how I'll go there next year. But um, yeah, no, he, he's been great. I think uh, just just something different. You know, I think we've probably we've probably been guilty of having that same sort of similar feel about us as a pack, and he's had a bit of edge and. I think you've seen other guys run off the back of it. You know, guys have sort of um, sort of increased their own level of aggression as a result of it. It becomes a bit infectious. Yeah, no, that's that's the feeling you get from the sideline. I mean, it, and it was funny to see him take a bit of niggle to, to Fards on the weekend as well. Actually, there was, um, there, was a, there seemed to be a bit of feeling between the two. Yeah, oh, look, I think <laughs> we uh, we actually spoke we spoke before the game about you know trying not to, to give too much vocally towards them and just play our game and be nice and physical. But I think, you know, you know Jacques likes to throw a few words in there here and there. But, uh, no, I don't think there's any anything there, personally. I think Jacques is just a very competitive guy. And, um, yeah. you know, he obviously, like everyone in the squad except John Lance, has never won a Super Rugby Premiership. So he's uh, he's uh, to that next level. And, uh, yeah, he got, he got stuck in the fires. But, you know, again, that's... It's probably a way of showing a bit of respect, and um, I think this this weekend you look at the the back row and the forwards for the Crusaders in in Reed and McCaw and you know guys like that. I think Jacques going to have to maintain that same that same attitude of really showing respect, but also having no fear and just going going hard. Yeah, I've just uh, I mean it was interesting. I was I went to the 2011 game between the Reds and the Crusaders, and one of the things I noticed there actually, which you, I don't think you picked up on the on TV because it doesn't follow the back play so much, was that um, Bo Robinson was all over Richie McCaw like a cheap suit, um, and just you know it was niggle holding back, you know the whole thing. And I guess when you're playing someone like McCaw, if if you can knock him off his game a little bit. Um, obviously, uh, you know, legally, but just by going hard, um, it's, it's not a bad thing. But um, anyway, you're going to say, Hugh, I think you had a, a, one, of, one of our last questions. Yeah, Dave, I mean, just looking towards this weekend on Saturday, um, you, you just mentioned that John Lance is the only player that's been in the squad that's won a title. Has he had any role this week in sort of just knowing, in sort of giving a bit of advice as to what to expect in a grand final against the Crusaders, you know, in front of a big crowd? Because... You know the the um, understandably, you guys have never played in a grand final before, so I imagine his experience might be valuable. 
Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm sure he. I don't sit on too many backs meetings, so I don't know really <laughs> what they talk about. But I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's had a chat with a few of the boys around. Uh, you know, a few little things. But I, I was sitting with the bench with him on the bench with him on Saturday, actually after the Brumbies game when the final whistle got when he was. You know, he was really happy, and he said, "You know, this will be the best best week of our, our careers in a sense around just the build up and um, the excitement and." You know the opportunity to, to win the premiership. So he's obviously felt that in 2011, and um, yeah, I think John is a great guy. Ever since he's come, come down from from Queensland, he's had a lot to our club, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. He's the only one who's won a premiership, but um, yeah, he, he, I'm sure he'll give some of the uh, the backs a bit of a bit of a rev up, a few words later in the week, and, and get us in the right headspace. Yeah, and mate, so um, you know they're they're a tough lot, uh, the Crusaders. I was just looking at some stats. I think it's like between, and I can say this to you because you're not playing on the weekend, so it's not like I'm psyching you out. But it's, I think it's like nine nil or something, uh, kind of going their way. You know, what what do you guys got? What, what do you focus on with these bastards? Yeah, I think um, like we, we we I played last year in Christchurch. We we had to kick the wind off the bell, and yeah. I think Derek missed the kick and. Uh, you know, there's been some there's been some opportunities over the years to knock them off. So I think a, I saw the other day on the Fox they had a, a sort of a a rerun of uh, some of the games we lost. I think PTU missed a kick here to beat them, and there's definitely been opportunities um, to beat them in the past. I think we just you know for, for various reasons just haven't got got across the line. I think the one thing for this group, and I think going back to what's worked for us this year is the way we've played. Them. You know, a certain level of confidence and belief in how we want to play. I, I'm not sensing any fear for the weekend. I, uh, I think, um, and I think that's a really good thing. We, again, we'll have a, a level of respect for the Crusaders for what they've done in the past. They're a very successful club, but um, I don't think this group will, will go out there with level of fear for for the weekend. And um, you know, I think we've just got to be, be smart in how we play, as you said, around the way Bay Robinson attacked it in, in 2011. Mm. You know, we've, there'll be some great match-ups, match-ups across the park with, you know, Hooper on, on McCaw, potentially, um, you know, Cliffy Parlow on Reed, uh, Carter and Foley, you know, some Dag and, and Falau, you know, some really good match, uh, match-ups across the park. And I think if everyone just has belief in how we want to play and, and those individual battles, you know, the odd one goes our way, I think... Um, you know, we're a really good chance. And, uh, you know, I think, I honestly feel that the Bumbies game was a was a really tough challenge for us because they, they play a style of rugby where they restrict you of the ball around set piece and put a lot of pressure on your line speed uh, throughout the game. Whereas the Crusaders, although they're very good at set piece and around the field, they tend to have a bit, you know, uh, their line speed's not there. It's just the way Kiwi teams seem to, seem to play. So I'm hoping that that'll allow us to play our own game with a bit more ball in hand because obviously last Saturday we weren't able to do that. So... Mm-hmm. I think if we get an opportunity, if we get a fair amount of possession and we get an opportunity to play outside the game, we, you know, we're in a really good chance. Okay. And, mate, look, just to finish off um, tonight, I mean, you've been there through some pretty, through thick and thin, shall we say, some pretty lean times and there's, you know, there's been quite a bit flying around. I mean, what's it, what's it like? I mean, I, you know, I've just noticed a massive difference just in the last couple of years um, for going to Waratah's game, what it feels like, what it's like to be part of the crowd and how people are getting involved. Do you notice it? Is it, is it a big difference just walking around from day to day or being out there and playing? Do you pick up on it? Yeah, very much so. You know, I was, you know, even over the last couple of months, I've been sort of in the supermarket where it is and the odd person's wished me well and I've probably never really experienced that. Right. You know, in my eight seasons at the club, I think um, there's probably people who are showing interest in our team outside of the diehard fans who've been there all along. And I think that's you know a really good sign for our club and, and for Australian rugby. I think um, you know we need to get new new people on board to support the game for it to keep keep going well in Australia. And I think uh, you know I only said to some of the boys after the game on Saturday, after what was a you know an amazing crowd, you know three years ago we were getting booed off that ground in front of eleven thousand people. Mm-hmm. And on Saturday night, we had close to 40,000 who were vocal right into the game. And for a player and for any, any anyone who plays the game, you know, they'll tell you that that's just, it's such a better feeling to, to be able to play in front of that group and be part of a team who, who's involved with that. And, um, you know, we're, we're still working. I think that, again, back to what we wanted to do as a club, Check mentioned, we wanted to connect with our fans. We probably, 
or reconnected with our fans. So we've probably gone away from that over the year, over the last couple of years through various reasons. Obviously, the way we play probably wasn't appealing to people to come and watch. Um, I think you know, the way we probably connected with junior clubs and, and out in the public with our fans probably wasn't good enough. And I think over the last two years, we really had a conscious effort of playing a type of rugby that our supporters are proud to come and watch and, and entertains them, but also connecting with our fans across all different areas. And, um, yeah, I, I, I sense a really good vibe around the club and I'm very fortunate that although I'm injured, I've got another year next year and I'm hoping that on the back of this year and next year we have another really good year that we start to get back to those days where we're averaging sort of that 25,000, a game and, and there's that general love of rugby in, in New South Wales. I think um, yep. it would be a really good thing for the game. No, it would, mate. And it'd be great to see it happen. And hopefully you guys can do what the Queenslanders couldn't, which is uh, keep it going for, you know, you know, afterwards. Um, because I yeah, think, no, know, exactly. It needs to happen. Yeah, that was a, that, that's the thing that sort of stuck with me a little bit. You know, I looked at the Reds this year and they didn't have their best year, but they're still getting 37 to a game. And I think, mm. um, you know, it's a very positive thing for the game. So hopefully, you know, on the back end of this year, we can maintain some of our fans and our supporters and keep keep, keep progressing as a team and as a club. Good one. Look, mate, look, we appreciate you coming on tonight. Um, good luck for for this weekend um, from all of us. Everyone's uh, cheering madly for you. We're, I'm going to be there. Uh, there's no commitment from Hugh. He's he's he's, he's going to be in London, mate. Yeah, I've That's looked right. in the flights, Dave, yeah. but unfortunately it's just, it's just not going to be enough. But there'll be a big crew here cheering for you as well. Yeah. Well, they've closed down walkabout, so you have to find somewhere else to watch it, I think. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Anyway, good one, <laughs> no, Dave. All good, boys. Thanks for coming Thanks on, mate. We'll speak to you later. Cheers, bye. Right there, right there, right there. So what a great chat that was with Dave Dennis. It was a long time coming, but uh, probably worth the wait, I think you said there, Hugh. Yeah, geez, he was really insightful. And often with these player interviews, you kind of, you know, it's no fault of the player, but you kind of delve through cliches and sort yeah. of fairly obvious statements about the weekend's game and, Yada yada, but Dave actually gave some, I thought, some really good insight, especially into that strength and conditioning program, which I think explains a, a, re- a whole lot about why the Tars have been so good this year and why they've been able to keep their squad on the field as opposed to sitting in the sidelines wearing suits. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think I've actually heard or read about that anywhere before. I've, I mean, anyway, that's the first time I'd come across it, and he kind of named it. I have to go back through the interview to remember what. Yeah, the, we're going to have to go and do some research on that because that's a we might have stumbled across a legitimate scoop here. Uh, <laughs> on the so maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should just quieten that. We'll just bleep that out. Bleep that part out, and we can go and get it ourselves. And, indeed, but look, uh, join joining joining me now. I've got now sometime regular um, Dave Cyclopath, mate. How are you? I'm very well. Good. Yourself? You're very well, mate. Good, good to have you on. Um, you. And uh, welcome back for, to Wanging. And then um, first-time caller, long-time listener, and and author on the site, Jamie Miller. Mate, how are you? Good, thanks, mate. Good. And look, I should say, Hugh's... Well, I've already said earlier on the podcast, Hugh's calling in from Shoreditch. You're in upstate New York, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And, and so give us a little bit of a background. What... You're obviously an Aussie, but you're over there. How have you ended up there and, and your involvement with rugby? Because I think you're still involved in it, even though you're in the States and that sort of thing. Yeah, doing a bit. I um, did some graduate work at uh, Cambridge in England and played a bit there and then uh, sort of just followed the jobs. Uh, coached the Yale graduate team last year there and now I'm taking up refereeing a bit more seriously up here at uh, Cornell University and... Yeah, it's, it's uh, easier and easier with the internet to keep up with the game, so it's yeah. good, yeah. Well, it's great to finally talk to you. I mean, I should say to everybody, even though you've been contributing um, like mad and some and some great content, um, this is actually the first time you and I have actually talked to each other, so um, it's, it's nice to have a conversation at last. Yeah, well, it's um, it's about, it's, it's pretty early in the morning here, but the, uh, you know, seeing the Tars in a Super Rugby final makes you want to... Uh, <laughs> get up and get involved doesn't it it makes <laughs> makes you feel amazing every day <laughs> it makes you spring out of bed um it really it does. Shows the love, love 
Love of the Waratahs crosses all boundaries, you know. America, UK, it's all around the world. They said embracing, it's, yeah, it's engulfing the world. It's even made it all the way to you to the wilds of the eastern suburbs of Sydney. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh god, there you go. Penetrating the cake. Yeah. Um, already, look, let, let's talk about where some of that love is coming from. Uh, let's go back to the weekend, and um, oh geez, I'm gonna have to remember what the score was. Now, was it twenty six eight? Was that the Yes, I can remember it very well because I wasn't drinking. (laughs) I have to say, I had to. uh, It was only when I watched the replay that I actually remembered the third try. How could I forget it? Um, But um, look, it it was a fantastic match. Both Dave and I uh, were there. Geez, with uh, almost 39,000 other uh, loyal TAR fans um, at the SFS. Fantastic night uh, and a a great game. Um, Dave, you're a doctor during the day and you were on call. So uh, I think you'd had like one or two light cascades. Um, so you can remember everything. Talk us through, mate. What was your takeaway from the game? Well, it was interesting. You know, sometimes you go to a game live and you watch it and you, had, you think, well, that's an impression. And then you go home and watch it and you go, oh, I was wrong. Hmm. Um, it was exactly how I saw it at the game. It was just brutal, aggressive, nasty defence. I think I've said this before, but that that's what struck me about it. And, when I watched it again, that's what struck me about it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also the ruthlessness that when they actually got out of their their half, which they struggled to do, and we'll probably talk about that, they and got into the Brumbies 22, they took points mm-hmm. every time pretty much. And um, and the tries they scored were good. I mean, the, they, they weren't fr- fluky tries. They were built on really, really brutal defence that uh, forced turnovers and... You know, I think it was um, for that reason. It was a fantastic game to watch. Yeah, Hugh, did you, you managed to see this one even from the other side of the world? Yeah. Well, luckily, uh, I'm staying at a friend's house and he has Sky, so we watched it on his couch, and it was all very civilized at 10:30 in the morning. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I just, I think it was it was played with a almost test match intensity, wasn't it? I mean, the 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 contact, you know, the at the breakdown, the competition across the field was just so intense and I mean it's staggering that there wasn't any, any injuries there because I was worried at one point that we were going to lose six or seven frontline wallabies just because it was so intense mm. but um, I think I mean the Brumbies can have their heads held high I thought they played very you know really well but the Tars showed showed their class I think in the end uh, and their uh, taking of their opportunities the few that they had was was really quite quite something and so yeah, I think that was that was always going to be the real banana peel for the Waratahs. I was really worried about it to the point of actually having a small bet on the Brumbies just as an insurance policy, because <laughs> um, I thought that 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 physical confrontational style of game where they attack the breakdown with everything and attack the set piece that would be hit all of the Tars' weak points, mm. and they did that, and the Tars still came away with the win and, and fairly comfortably on the scoreboard. So, yeah, I think happy days so far for the Tars fans anyway. Yeah. So let's talk some individual performances. Jamie, who kind of stuck out to you from either side in, in the match? Rob Horn. Um, I think, you know, it's the Tars season this year has been all about the veterans. Guys like Tatafu, guys like Palu have actually managed to string together entire seasons where they've barely got injured and, they're just playing better and better. But for me, it's 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 all about Rob Horn. I mean, he's critical in defending in that front line. He doesn't miss tackles. He's missed three tackles the whole season. He can smash a bloke. And he made 10 tackles on the weekend, missed none. And he just adds that extra aggression. He does all the little dirty work in and around the front line of defence. And he's so much better there than he ever was at outside centre. It's hard to believe he was ever there in the first place. Yeah, no, he's it's ha- having an absolutely ripper, isn't he? And then and the thing and he, it was his offload to, um, how can I forget his name? Uh, Will Skelton. Skelton. Yeah, which kind of set that rumble going, wasn't it? So, but he really, absolutely. you know, he, he's so strong in the tackle where he can he can get those sort of offloads away. Um, no, he I agree with you. He's been a revelation this year and. Uh, deservedly uh, is back in the Wallabies uh, in the squad there. Um, what about from the Brumbies? Who who stood out for you there? Oh, not that many really. I thought Moen was very good at doing what he does. You know, mm. he's he manages the line out. He's the number one jumper in their line out and he hangs around on that offside line and just 
jumps all over the opposition nine. That's yeah. basically what he does, and he did it very well. Um, and it just reminded me of how good he was last year and how much we might miss having him around the Australian squad and teaching some of the other guys some of those unique skill set he's got. Um, it's hard not to look at how bad the Waratahs line-out is and look at how good and systematic the Brumbies one is and think that guys like you know Kane Douglas and so on and so forth could really learn a lot from Ben Moen. So it'll be sorry to see him go, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've got in front of me here actually a set of stats um, looking at the line-out success rate, and the Brumbies is only second to the Bulls. So, the, I mean, the Bulls' success rate's 91%, and the Brumbies is at 89%, um, which I, I think uh, completely backs up what you're saying there. Um, Dave, mate, who, who, in your clear and lucid mind, who's, who stuck out in the night? Well, for the Brumbies, I thought Ben Alexander was actually pretty good. Um you know, the I thought the Brumbies scrum did very well to begin with. They obviously, I mean, I think the first scrum of the game, they they completely monstered the Waratah scrum, um, and I think he was scrummaging well. They it, it, it sort of switched around a bit later in the game. The Tars got a bit of ascendancy, and then when all the subs came on, it all got a bit messy. But I thought he did well, and he was also good in when I watched the replay. Particularly, I noticed he was good in broken play, good in defence. Um, so I thought he had a good game. Um, uh, for, I can't think of anyone else who stood out positively for the Brumbies, and I don't want to harp on people who stood out negatively too much, but Jesse Mogg got pretty beaten up in that game, which mm. was tough on him. Um, I think he got yanked around half-time, didn't he? He did, and uh, he didn't look injured. So I think that was he really got sort of found out quite brutally. Um yeah, for the Waratahs, the ones that have been mentioned, and and Michael Hooper, um, even though he's just a winger, um, I thought he had a <laughs> sensational game. Yes, yeah, I didn't see RJ saying too much after the weekend. Um, after, oh, after Michael, oh, he did. Oh, did he? Oh, oh God, oh, he did. <laughs> Speaking of Hooper, just how good was that tackle that he made on Mog when Mog tried to do him on the outside in the first half, oh, and he hung on by his fingertips and oh, then reeled yeah. him in around the bootlaces. Yeah. Yeah, and no, that was I mean, that was tried. No, no other forward in world rugby can do that. Yeah, he misses that tackle and the Brumbies score. It, 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 it or the Brumbies come very close to scoring because uh, it's a two-on-one. Mog passes to I, th- I think it was yeah. uh, Spate on the outside. I mean that's Spate in space, and there was no one in front of him. Mm. Um, so yeah, that that was. I mean Hooper was outstanding. I mean just he just seems to relish these tight games. And that, that was the thing about the, I mean, the players that were the real test match players, the real blokes that, that fire in the, in these sort of circumstances really stood up. And it was Cliff Parlu off the back, off the back of a retreating scrum. His hands at the back of a scrum is one of his most underrated characteristics. The, the ability for him to get, get us going forward, get the Waratahs going forward after, after, a, you know, an average scrum is, is something incredible. Mm. But, um, yeah, the, the other guy, I, th- I think, has really changed his game for the better has been to Tarfer. And Jamie mentioned him, but the, you know, the cannonball stuff's largely disappeared. I mean, there's a little bit of that, but I think he is possibly the most valuable player in Australian rugby right now because if we lose him, you know, we're starting, we're starting the rugby championship with Nathan Charles uh, and James Hansen as our two hookers. And, and I don't want to besmirch the reputation of those two gentlemen, but, uh, they're very, very light on, on big game experience, and Tatafu has it in spades. Mm. Um, and it's really good to see him change that risk, those riskier edges of his game, sort of sand them down. And, and I think he's putting in much, much better rounded performances on the field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so yeah. And in, in talking about performances, I mean, there's just so many who played really well. I, I, I uh, have to agree. I think uh, Bob Dwyer mentioned Nick Phipps. Um, in dispatches in his defence, yep. not yep. not Agreed. his not his uh, passing because I don't think it was as good as it was the week before, um, but his or his service. But he pulled off some some. I mean, he saved at least two tries um, with sort of ankle uh, tackles, you know, five meters out or even closer. Um, yeah, he was. I thought he was really really impressive. And the number of times 
um, you see him. I mean, you look at any of his stats, he's got a very high tackle completion rate, but also a huge number of tackles he makes. And the number of covering tackles he, he makes is phenomenal. Um, he's, he's worth his weight in gold uh, in, in that position. So, yeah, I, I, I thought he, he was excellent. Um, but, I mean, I, I, overall, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was quite an amazing game, and the Brumbies had a hell of a lot of possession and, 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 and position. Um, what do your guys take? Jamie, as a bit of a as a coach and and whatnot, what, what what was your take on the Brumbies not taking the points on offer and and continually going for the sideline? Is in you know was it a good idea or huge mistake? Yeah, huge mistake, huge mistake. Um, I think Hugh was absolutely spot on that this had Test match rugby written all over it. The first twenty minutes, both teams looked almost a bit afraid to have the ball, which naturally suited the Brumbies a bit more than the Tars. The Tars couldn't get their forwards over the line, over the advantage line, and I think it was pretty obvious from early on that points were going to be at a premium. And four times, Moen decided—I mean, none of them were gimme kicks. Some of them were about forty-two meters out or so, but fifteen meters in. But time and time again, decided not to go for the points. And I mean, it was eleven-eight. At half time, with that late Foley penalty, Lea Leofano missed that early kick in the second half that could have made 11 all. I mean, the scoreline doesn't doesn't reveal how close that game was, and I was not surprised, but still very disappointed that Moen wasn't backing his kicker, uh, whether it be White or Lea Leofano, to knock over the points. You you got to take the points. Yeah, I mean the Waratahs conceded 15 penalties to the to the Brumbies 10. Um, and you know, and within that, I think was uh, you know, so, so a bunch of great opportunities that I was surprised that the Brumbies uh, didn't take. Um, but uh, I, th- I think, I, I think in the sec- I think in the first half, I, I agree with you guys. I think they should have been taking the points. Mm. Um, the second half, there was a period there. There was that ten-minute period. I think it was a, I'd say the fifty-fifth to the sixty-fifth minute where the Brumbies really had the Waratahs on the rack and. There was a few moments where they'd conceded three or four penalties in a row, the Waratahs, and I can understand kicking to the corner in that circumstance because you get the impression that either it was going to be a try or or the next penalty was going to be a yellow card, Mm -hmm. and you've got the foot on the throat in that circumstance. I think that was probably fair enough, and you did get a feeling in those minutes that the Brumbies were getting on top, and one try may well break the backs of the Waratahs. So I can understand that decision in in that moment. I mean, then they bungled it. I can't remember. I think that that was when Stephen Hoyle's stole the line out, I think, from that from that play there, which was a huge play in the context of the game. But uh, I, I can I can appreciate the decision there to, to take the kick to touch. Yeah. And I think, Jamie, you made a few interesting points uh, in your article about, uh, you know, where the work rate was in, in the match. Um, so, because, for example, I'm looking here at uh, just some of the top stats and you can see Wycliffe Pilu putting in 13 runs. Um, and I know also Michael Michael Hooper was busy, but it wasn't it wasn't exactly an e- equally shared uh, workload. No, it wasn't. Um, I think you know a couple of players really went missing, and and one of the commenters made a good point that you know it's not all about the runs and tackles. It's about putting yourself in the defensive line ready to make a tackle. It's about clearing out a ruck. But at the same time, the stats are pretty bad. Uh, you know Stephen Hoyle's one run in eighty minutes of rugby. I mean, you in a game plan that's almost rugby league-like where they've got forwards just carrying the ball up, you need to share the load around. And there needs to be doubt in the defence's mind about which forward is going to get the ball. It can't always be Palu, who had just a phenomenal amount of carries, as he has pretty much every week this year. Um, but in terms of work rate, not to harp on, but to go back to, to Tafu, he made 13 tackles and missed none on the weekend. Um, the average for most hookers in the comp is about seven or eight a week, and Pilotta now made 13. I mean, massive, just massive, massive. When you watch the game on replay, he's everywhere in defense. I mean, he and Palu just lifted those guys who weren't quite at the top of their game and helped them push into that second half, I think. No, it was excellent. All righty. Well, I think we've probably pr- pretty much just about covered everything um, from last weekend. Anyone had any, well, anything last? Go on then, Hugh. How good was that third try? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, I wish Red was here because I, I had. A, I mean, I don't think it's the try of the season because the uh, the one from the preseason that we call as try of the season back then still counts as try of the season. <laughs> but uh, the, I mean, that's got to be in the top two or three because 
I mean, that, that offload by Will Skelton was, was incredible. I mean, yeah. it wasn't an offload. It was a sort of a pass, one-handed going down. It was even a spiral. He got a bit of spit on him as well. Yeah, no. Uh, it, was, it was just phenomenal. Yeah. Any try that involves Will Skelton running at full pace over people it, with, with wind rustling through his hair and then an offload. Well, and the, the game and, needed that moment too to, to take it from a good semi to have the crowd on its feet, you know, talk of the town kind of stuff. And that, that was the, that was the moment. That's the postcard moment. So I was really happy that that yeah. came off. Well, it gets better, gets better every time you watch it as well. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think I, I need to... Cause you don't see, cause you don't see Foley coming until the last second, you know, you don't realize yeah. he's there and then he just hits that gap and it's incredible. Well, I think, and someone says like, Can we got... just talk about it for the next, for the next two hours. Well, I, think he, be to... I think he's got three touches in the move as well, Foley. So, um, it's a yeah, it's 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 a delightful move. I mean, if if I'd only had known, I could have we could have deconstructed it. Um, but look, um, okay, so that's that's last week. That's the week it was. I mean, the one thing I would say is Dave, um, having been at the game, I mean, the crowd were right into it, weren't they? Um, and what well, was I mean, the noise was, um, you know, that was something else. I think after each try was scored, when the try scorer went back, or in the case of the last try when Skelton went back. The ovation from the crowd was... I haven't heard that at a Waratahs game for oh, 10 years, and even probably not then. Yeah. Uh, but that was back in the days where we were getting 30-plus thousand most weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amazing. I mean, it was it was really, really loud, spontaneous, and it was, you know, it was great to see. And, I mean, the players, you could see the, you could see the players responding to it too. Yeah. I mean, the I mean, old New South Wales chants going up um, were pretty awesome as well. So hopefully the crowd getting used to being a bit more vocal. Absolutely. It's such a great ground for footy as well, isn't it? It's just yeah. made for it. Mm. Yeah. You know, every time you go out to ANZ Stadium, there's always this kind of weird feeling. It always feels a bit empty, but the SFS, when it's packed, I mean, you know. Yeah. And, and, when, and when you've spent the afternoon in Paddo before as well, there's, there's nothing, nothing like it. <laughs> Like, like I, we can attest to. All right, well, look, let's look ahead. Let's look ahead to this weekend. Massive. I mean, it's not a proper, you know, super rugby final unless you're playing the Crusaders, obviously. Um, <laughs> and we're up against them. So I, I mentioned to Deno on the podcast, uh, on the interview with him, that it's 9-0 uh, towards the Crusaders in all the times we've played them, um, which is not a nice stat. Well, I think that's since 2006, I should say. Yeah. Um, so, which isn't a nice stat. Um, but uh, look, Dano's not playing, so he ha- he doesn't have to take that in his head uh, onto the field on the weekend. Um, what you know? How are we seeing this unfold? I mean, maybe shall I take us through a few sort of stats that have come through um, over the season, and we can kind of talk around that. So I'm looking at the team statistics here um, over the season, and um, I think some of the things that probably stick out is that you can just see the uh, attacking mindset of the Waratahs. Uh, so, I mean, I think we've probably talked about this a few times that they're just to- topping so many of the stats. So number of carries per game is 130 versus 109 uh, f- for the Crusaders. And that 131 is the, is the top in the comp. I think no one, the Hurricanes are the closest on 124 and then it's daylight for third. Passes, 163 passes a match. Um, the Crusaders are down about 140. Um you know, and as we're used to, the Crusaders like to live with, 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 with less ball. Here's one stat, though, that might be interesting. I don't know if anyone else thinks this might be play a role. Penalties conceded per match. Uh, for the Waratahs, it's 12.4, uh, and the Crusaders is 9.8. Jamie, is that something I should be worried about? Yep, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the stats show the Crusaders have got kicked a lot of goals this year, haven't scored as many tries as you'd think. Tar's got to watch their discipline. Um, I think this is going to be a very brutal match up front. The Crusaders have a very organised, very physical defence. And I'm actually a bit surprised they're not starting with Skelton to try to get try to see that off at the start of the match. Um, but the Tars have to watch that discipline. Yeah. Okay, so here's the next step that, that's a little bit troubling. I must admit, this the Waratahs aren't as bad here as I thought maybe they would have been. It might be just like a back end of the season problem. Um, but line-out success rate, 
So the Waratahs are here at 82.5%. And, I mean, it's towards the bottom, but you've got people like the Chiefs who are on 81, uh, the, the, you know, the Lions, the Stormers, interestingly enough, the Stormers on 78%. Um, but anyway, the Waratahs are at about 82 the uh, Crusaders are at 88.5%, so close, you know, close to 89%, and that takes them, you know, towards the top uh, of the whole, the whole thing. If I then scroll through to individual performers in lineouts, and it says to me one second here, um, is that it's Sam Whitelock is uh, coming third in the comp with lineout steals, so he's got 10 off 16 matches. Um, and he's about sixth or seventh in the comp for takes. So he obviously calls himself a fair bit with uh, with 50 lineouts won. Hugh, are you worried about the lineout, mate? Should we be? You're a se- being a second I, rower yourself. Yeah, look, I am. I'm not not to the extent that other people are. I mean, people. Mm. Uh, there was a sort of uh, idea that the Waratahs lineup was horrible on Saturday, and it, it wasn't. They lost two. I think two got pinched off them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they stole one back, I think. Uh, they certainly stole at least one back. And the, the ball was pretty clean throughout. I mean, the line-out stats can often be misleading in that, you know, there's it's one thing to win your line-out, but winning with clean ball is another thing entirely. Um, but the Waratahs tended to get away with it. I mean, the line-out hasn't been great all season, but it's been enough to get away with it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what they'll be aiming for on Saturday. I, I, look, I, I can't see it massively affecting... The game, I mean, it, uh, they lost six against the Reds, and that, that probably, you know, that you don't you certainly don't want to see that again, and they'll be hopefully training their asses off. Mm. They're certainly missing Dave Dennis. I mean, Steve Hoyles is doing a, a good enough job as a fill-in, but they don't have any real line-out guns in that team. So they're, they're coping with the hand they've been dealt. But I, I'd, I'd be really surprised if, if it has a, a huge bearing on the overall outcome of the game. Okay. And anyone disagree or take a different view on that? Yeah, I do. I think it is pretty bad, actually. I think when you look at the TARS lineout, it kind of looks like a TV show with only a support cast and no star. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, Hoyles is doing the calling, but it's really not clear, especially when you look at the stats, who he really wants to be throwing the ball to. I mean, I would have thought after Dave's injury that Kane Douglas would have been stepping up to the plate, that he would have been both calling and dominating the lineout. And he's not. He doesn't even have by any count, you know, close to even 30 takes for the whole season. That's not even to a game. Like, I mean, I j- I'm just not even sure that the line-out itself knows who's going to be taking the ball, what the options are. They're using this five-man line-out a lot to try to secure possession. Um, the mall isn't happening. Backs moves off the line-out are sort of restricted to the 10 channel and Hooper in between. Um, and the Crusaders, by contrast, they look like, a German military machine. I mean, they are well-oiled, they're disciplined, they've got more weapons than you can shake a stick at. I, I don't like that comparison one bit, actually. I don't like that. Okay. Well, look, let's have another look. Here's another thing that kind of stood out to me, and I guess maybe other people have been watching a bit more Crusaders. I don't know, Dave, if you've seen more of this, but um, the man I call Big Nads, um, the Marnie Nadolo. <laughs> You don't, you don't call him that when you actually talk to him, do you? Well, he's not. He's, he, he's been on different content uh, continents for a while, so I've been okay. safe. Um, here's the thing. So we all thought. I thought Izzy Folau was smashing it for tries, and he is top of the comp. Um, so with uh, I think it's 13 matches or 13 appearances, he's got 12 tries. Big Nads, 11 tries. So he's only one behind, and the combination doesn't uh, finish there. But um, we've got a f- there's a few more things here. Uh, where, where, where was I? Uh, just as far as things like clean breaks. Actually, Big Nads is ahead of Izzy. So 26 uh, clean breaks versus 25 for Izzy. And actually, here's an interesting one. The next, so, and that's Big Nads' is top of the comp with that. Izzy second. Third, Adam Ashley Cooper with 21. He's had a hell of a game. A hell of a season, I should say. Defenders beaten. Again, Big Nads, uh, 50. Um, Israel Falau also 50. Um, and they're third and fourth in, in the comp. Um, and then uh, the only thing I should say, though, is to absolutely smash anyone else out of the park. So those guys are quite close there. But when it comes to offloads, Israel Falau, 47 offloads in his 13 appearances. The next nearest player was Quade Cooper on 26. Um, that's quite amazing. So... 
Dave. Does that surprise you, or was or was big? No, actually, big, big that's... Nads has been in your eyesight. No, look, my my take, and I'll, I haven't seen all the Crusaders games, but I've seen a lot of them. Is he finishes well, and he's often finishing um, over defenders on the outside. Um, that I'm talking about, big Nads, mm. and. Um, I was before you got to the offloads. I was sort of sitting here biting my tongue because I was going to go, but, but the offloads because <laughs> that was the thing that was just sticking in my mind was that Falau, you know, he doesn't maybe does not make as many clean breaks, but he makes those half breaks and the offloads, and I think um, the value from those can't be underestimated. So I, I, look, it'll be a great matchup. Well, not really a matchup. It'll be a great thing to watch both of them, but I think the value in what Falau's doing is probably greater. Um, I think you know they could, the the Crusaders could probably get someone else in his position, and they would probably still do pretty well. I think you take Falau out, and it would make an enormous negative difference for the Tars. Okay. All righty. So look, that that's enough of the of, of the stats and whatever else. Let's just get some gut feel into this. How is this going to go? Uh, I'm going to start with you, Hugh, mate. How, how do you reckon? How's this going to play out? See, uh, I'm reluctant to say it, but I am quietly confident. And I think Dave Dennis was too talking to him. He, he mentioned that the Crusaders, the style the Crusaders play is much better suited to the Waratahs than the style the Brumbies play uh, in terms of their line speed, their you know uh, lack of uh, intensity at the contact zone, their the way they attack, which is to fan out and to look for gaps as opposed to really trying to... Um, do as the Brumbies do and bash it up physically. I think everyone has this image of their mind in the Crusaders and they, as the marauding team from the early 2000s when they were winning premierships. Uh, they haven't won for quite a while. And the stats, you know, they're a good side this year. They're a very good side. And they'll front up and they've got, with that team on paper, they're going to be right in it till the finish. But, I mean, they dished up a really shitty Sharks team on, on Saturday. I mean, you can't read anything into that game. They've been up and down all season. Um, again, very good team, being it to the end, but I, I'm more confident as a Waratahs fan for this game than I was for the Brumbies game. Mm. Um, I, I was worried that our lack of finals experience and in the big game we'd bottle it and the Brumbies were born for that sort of stuff. In the in the end, we stood up in the big game. And I think, I think yeah, I think the Tars are quietly confident about this one and, and I have a feeling that we might get over the line. But again, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Crusaders Crusaders get us. But yeah, you see, I'm, I'm, you're hedging a few bets there, Hugh. Uh, I think it's just about. I think it's as good a finals bet as you could ever want. Is a, a, a good a grand finals matchup for us. Yeah. A, a team that plays fast and loose, and will give us plenty of opportunities to score tries. Alrighty, um, Jamie. Yeah, well, I I should start with a caveat, which was that at the start of the season, I convinced all of my friends to put in 20 bucks into a center bet bet at four to one that the cheaters would make the finals again. And they managed and they managed to finish last. Um, so first of all, I'd like to say hi to my mates and thank you for your money. Um, so for, forecasting possibly isn't my, my forte. Um, but for, for Saturday, I think, there was a really interesting article a few months back where uh, someone or other from Fairfax spoke to like Matt Burke, Phil Ward, George Gregan, whatnot. And the last question they asked them was, what do you need to win a Super Rugby title? And they interviewed them all separately and they all said the same thing, which was pretty remarkable, which was you need world-class halves. Um, and if you think back, um, Fury Dupree and Mornay Stain for the Bulls, um, Carter and Ellis, Carter and Khan Fotualihi, um, Justin Marshall and Andrew Mertens. I mean, the world-class halves that have come out of the Southern Hemisphere in the last 15 years have all won Super Rugby titles. I'm not sure if Foley and Phipps are yet in that category, but Saturday night could help put them up there. Um, but they're just not quite on that level yet. And uh, I, th I think that's for what that's worth. But my instinct is if we clean up the line out, will win, home ground advantage, very good team, like to see them take the initiative. I think we can do it. Good one. Dave? Yeah, I think we can do it for sure. Um, like Jamie, I'm, I'm worried about the line-out. I think that's actually a potential issue. Um, the other stat that we didn't cover was the scrum, and 
their scrum yeah. success rate is better than is significantly better than ours as well. Having said that, they do have a potential um, thorn in their side there because if um, the ref gets all over Wyatt Crockett, they could be in a bit of bother. And he does concede a lot of penalties, so that could be interesting. I, I, I mean, I think it's going to be really close, and I, I'm I'm worried about the amount of really experienced big game players that they've got in the Crusaders. You know, McCaw, Carter, Reed. There's just three, but those guys, I mean, you know, at various times they've all been best in the world. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the, the Tars are up against it. And uh, if they win it, it'll be a fantastic victory. Um, but I think it's going to be really tight, really tight. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think you can analyse this one inside out. I guess the other bit that we, the other person we've got to throw into the equation here is, is Jubas. Um, Craig Joubert is the uh, referee. And I think we all know that he's got a penchant for doing nothing um, or, or stopping refereeing um, when you get towards the second half of big matches. So, and, you know, that just plays right into the Crusaders' breakdown. So they'll be all over it. So it, that'll be interesting to see what happens. And I think, um, you know, that's been one thing about the Tars is, you know, when they've managed to get their own way at the breakdown and get that clean ball, they're unstoppable. Um, when it's not, Everything seems to slow down, so that'll be a really, really interesting battle. Um, yeah, I can t- I can turn this one inside out. I think that the Tars are going to have the energy over the Crusaders, um, and I, I don't know. The thing that would probably what what I'm going to go with is just you know I think it's 15 out of 18 home wins for Super Rugby Finals. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 going to go with that uh, as as my tiebreaker, if you like, um, as far as why it should probably be the Tars. Um, so, so there we've there we have it. So I think Dave and I, I know you, I know we're both going. Oh yeah, looking looking forward to that. Boys, are you going to be able to watch that upstate New York? Where, where are you going to be watching that one? Uh, probably on my couch with my wife, who um, I think is a bit gun shy about watching games with me after my reaction to Foley's try in the last minute <laughs> last week, when I sort of just basically jumped on the couch and acted like an idiot. Um, <laughs> So, but I'll try to convince her to watch this one with me as well. Okay. Is, is she American or English or? Yeah, she's American. Lovely lass. Yeah, okay. very nice. Getting to know the game. Um, yeah. Oh, she loves the game. She loves the game. She's a huge Wallaby supporter. It's taken very little time to get her on board. Excellent. Well done, mate. Colonizing, yeah. colonizing the world. Um, Hugh, you're going to be with a cup of tea and, uh, you know, on, on the sofa watching this one? No, actually, I'm, I'm with it. We're trying to find a pub that's open at 10 in the morning. Uh, to sh- that'll show it, but uh, I think we need to get into the grand final spirit. So I'm, I'm rounding up a few mates and really getting, getting, getting um, excited about it, which is which is looking forward to. And, and the crowd figures look good over there. I see that they've already sold what 30,000 30, tickets or something. Some they, the figures look pretty encouraging. Thirty-eight thousand. I think it's clear. Yeah, it's it's getting up towards forty thousand. It sounds like so far. So. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's charging on, and the um, bandwagon rolls around town, picking up stragglers as it goes. <laughs> There's plenty of room on top, <laughs> so get get in there and buy, fellas um, or people, whoever's listening. Um, I think it's going to be a fantastic night. Um, so I mean, that's just about it. I think we've talked about just uh, the, the, apart from um, the uh, Commonwealth Games. I think Hugh, that's been in your time zone, mate. Did you see any of this? Yeah, I did actually. Um... It, it's the Commonwealth Games is a bit of a Mickey Mouse in a lot of sports, but not sevens because really all of the big guns are there, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's really the um, full full sort of com- well, full what's the, what's the word I'm looking for the full complement of teams. Uh, yeah. Yes, and so it's a, it's a really good dress rehearsal for Rio coming up and how our sevens team looking and. Their performance, the Aussie guys came over the bronze. New Zealand got beaten in the final by a really good South African team. Uh, but uh, in terms of the Aussies, we just edged over Wales in the quarter final with a try after the siren, after some uh, a game-saving tackle from James Stannard and uh, a game-saving clean-up from Liam Gill on, on our own line. And then we went, we ran the length of the field and Palmer Fowl scored under the post with the last play of the game. Um our seventh team is not looking uh, outstanding, but they, they got up over Samoa for the bronze, but there still looks to be a significant class golf between us and the Kiwis and the Sappers. Mm. Um, 
And that, I mean, looking forward to Rio, I think our target should be a medal of any colour because really uh, the New Zealand team is going to be bloody good and, and the South African team are also pretty stellar and Fiji are always there as well, even though they weren't at the Com Games. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how all the major nations play it into the into the Olympics, as you guys discussed last week with, with the release of stars like Falau and... and um, those other really big names as to whether the super franchises would be keen to let them go, but um, it's still a pretty good performance from Australia, but certainly a lot of work to do before the Olympics. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people are putting a lot of uh, a lot of focus on that as being really, really important. So if, if we expect to perform, I don't, I don't know what we expect to change. Um, I don't know if we're going to just, you know, suddenly find be able to pull in some talent from somewhere. Um, you know, throwing Liam Gill in at the last minute was an interesting one. So, but, you know, at the moment, the way we're headed, like you say, it's like, you know, bronze if we're lucky. Yeah, well, I mean, Sean McMahon was outstanding as well as Gil. Gil was good. Cameron Clark's our, our gun player at the moment, who's Greg Clark's son. But he's, he's a real goer and one to watch for the future. But the other, the other thing worth mentioning is um, watching it on TV, geez, it's a, at its best, Sevens is such a good spectator sport. They broke the world record for a crowd. They had 171,000 over the two days. Wow. And it's just the crowd were on their feet the whole time. They were singing. The, the games was, I mean, all of the quarterfinals were real cliffhangers and the semis were great as well. So, you know, I think it'll, it's going to take Rio by storm and um, it, it's going to be great for our code globally. So that, that's something to look forward to. That's good to hear. Alrighty, guys. Well, that's just about it, I think. I think we've covered everything under the sun. Um, thanks for joining. Jamie, thanks for getting up, mate. Appreciate it. And it's good to finally talk to you. You too, no worries, mate. And uh, yeah, hopefully have you on again soon. Hugh, good to have you checking in from your travels, mate. Uh, I think, if I understand right, you're due back in September? September, yep, back on deck in September. But I think, uh, depending on my schedule, I might be available for a celebratory podcast next week. <laughs> Sounds good. You're not going to be in Macedonia or something, that was the rumour. Yeah, Macedonia, but that's that's the next that's next week. So that's at the end of next week. So I should have time. Okay. Unless, you know, and if... I've got to say, I don't want any photos to circulate of anyone drinking from the Super Rugby Trophy without me being there. We'll save, <laughs> save that for September. Alrighty. And Dave, uh, well, I'll be watching it together with you on the Saturday, so looking forward to it, mate. So am I, and I'm not on call. <laughs> well, then, you, you definitely will have to watch the replay for this one then. Yeah, that's right. All right, boys. Well, look, everyone, thanks for joining. Uh, for, to, you, to, to the listener, thanks for downloading or... Um, however you let us come in your ears this week it's been uh, a pleasure and we'll see you again next time go the Tars go the Tars Tars.